When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome to the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Uh, a little special episode here with uh, myself, Mario Terabasi. Uh, Jay and Greg, they uh, got a little bit of an early Christmas break here, uh, taking this one off, but we are happy to be uh, joined by our uh, NHL draft prospects uh, guru, Chris Peters of Flow Hockey. Chris, thanks for joining us uh, ahead of the World Juniors and ahead of a, a big trip to Sweden for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mario. It's good to be with you. And yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks here uh, for me. But yeah, looking forward to getting out to Gothenburg and uh, you know covering the tournament. It's it's one of the best times of the year for sure. Is this uh, is this your first time covering it in Europe, or have you been there before? No, no, I've been there before. Um, you know, covered it in uh, I think the Czech Republic was the first World Juniors I covered in in Europe, and that was right before COVID. So you okay, know, so, okay. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, in it's you know seems to be like it's in Canada almost every other year. So, right. Yeah. You know, been there, been to Buffalo. Um, you know, but yeah, this will be my I guess my second World Juniors in Europe. So very much looking forward to it. Really pumped about it being in Gothenburg. I mean, unbelievable city from what I hear and. Really can't wait to, to see what that's all about. And the best part about the whole tournament, the two rinks are 20 minutes apart, so I can actually oh, watch nice. both groups before the medal round, which is uh, often not possible. Um, yeah. So at least live, I will watch the video. But to be able to see more games live um, than ever before is going to be be great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's it's a really good setup to for the media to be able to to get to both ends. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the Blackhawks have a, a lot of, uh, interest in this year's world juniors. This is one of my favorite times of the year to see some of the top, uh, young guys playing in, in what over the last couple of years has been the best men's, uh, tournament where, you know, you get the best on the best, but they're just under 20 years old. Um, so it should be a, it should be a good tournament. I know USA has, uh, some gold medal aspirations. Canada is defending. Wanted to talk first about some of the guys who aren't going to be there for Canada, uh, and how that might affect them. Um, specifically too with Chicago, Kevin Korchinski and Connor Bedard. Um, I think there was some speculation earlier this year where Kevin Korchinski may have been able to go back, uh, and, and represent Canada. Connor Bedard was never going to go. Um, but now with Canada not having either of those guys, what's their what's their roster look like? How are those uh, two going to try and be replaced? Yeah, you know, it's 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 tough. I think, you know, Korchinski certainly was a guy that that Canada probably was banking on in the summer. And then as the season progressed, they became pretty clear that they weren't going to get him. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's probably, you know, a significant loss. Obviously, you, you lose Connor Bedard and, you know, there, there are other players in the NHL, Adam Fantilli. 
Um, Zach Benson also not going. So that does significantly hinder Canada's hopes here. Uh, you know, they did get Matt Platra from the Bruins. They got uh, Tristan Luno from the Ducks. So they have some guys with NHL experience on the roster, but they only have one returning player. So to not have guys that have been there and have performed at a high level there uh, really does hurt, you know, their overall outlook in terms of their ability to compete. But I mean, the thing about Canada at the World Juniors is it doesn't really matter who they bring. They always seem to be competitive. And, you know, I think Canada with an underdog mentality can be a very dangerous thing. It's interesting to have the underdog mentality when you're the defending yeah. uh, gold medal champion. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's all, it, this is one of the, uh, you know, besides it being the holidays, it seems like one of the best times of year for, you know, Canadian players and, uh, you know, the kids and, and, and the country too, with the fan base, it's, it's, it's incredible. And um, yeah. actually just today uh, after morning skate with uh, the Blackhawks ahead of the, uh, the game against the Montreal Canadiens here in Chicago, uh, Montreal media was there and they were asking Connor about, you know, the watching the world juniors and potentially playing for team Canada uh, at some point in his career um, beyond the world juniors. And yeah, I mean, it's just, they're, they're, they're always amped for it. So um, yeah. should be, should be a lot of fun. Now, one guy that was in camp uh, for the Canadians, but didn't make the squad from the Blackhawks was Paul Ludwinski. Um, you know, from, from our, from our perspective, uh, he's, he's been having a really good year this year. Um, bouncing back after injuries were hindering him last season in Kingston. What's your read on, on Ludwinski and, you know, what he brings to the table? Yeah. You know, I think it's still, he's still trending, especially with the way that he's played this year. He's trending pretty positively. I think, you know, you look at those, those guys that are early second round picks is it's almost like first round plus guys, typically, you know, the guys that are picked before, you know, the 40th pick. And, you know, I, I think for him, he's, he's on a path where, you know, he's probably, you know, long-term, middle six bottom six kind of player um excuse me with some scoring pop and uh you know i think that he is you know still on track to be that um not making this canadian team it's certainly disappointing you know i think especially because there was opportunity um there was certain you know it was pretty open competition for forward spots but it's a hard team to make as well uh, but yeah, you know, I, I don't think that that significantly hinders his outlook in terms of, of, of anything. And I think he was probably in the mix, you know, pretty late in the process here and was one of the guys that, that may have been, you know, among the last cuts, but e either way, you know, it, it's, it's always tough for these guys. The, the world juniors carry such weight in Canada. Um, so I, I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard if you don't make it for any country, but you know, it's just, I, I think it's probably even tougher for, for when you go back then and have to play junior games, knowing that you had an opportunity. So um, so long as he doesn't let it rattle his confidence, I don't think it's going to be a problem. He's had a great year with Kingston. He's putting up points. He's, you know, looks healthy, looks ready to play. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, in terms of, of, of OHL production, I would say, you know, for 19 year olds in particular, don't get too wrapped up into the, the numbers of it all. Um, you know, with, with, uh, because you would expect them to produce at a high level, you expect them to be point per game players. Um, but it's just more, you know, is he getting stronger? Is he betting, getting, you know, more aggressive? Is he getting, uh, more physical, all those different things that, you know, will help him when he gets to the NHL level or the pro level. Um, that's what you want to see. And I think that we're, we're seeing that from him. Another guy in the Blackhawks system who's playing in the OHL and doing pretty well for himself this year, as far as goal scoring goes, is Nick Lardis. Uh, not part of this Canadian uh, group or, or, or in camp or anything, but maybe a guy who next year could be in the mix. What's your read on, on him as he was uh, a third round pick in this last uh, June's draft? And a lot of people are saying, how did he get there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think 
you look at Nick Lardis last year and, you know, he, he had a very good season. He had a, a really nice showing at the, the world under 18s too, where he scored four goals. And, um, you know, this year he's already matched his goal total from when he joined the Bulldogs last season in 33 games in now 30 games. Um, you know, so he's, he's obviously still progressing at a, at a pretty high level. So to see him doing that, I think is really, um, a positive thing. Um, you know, I, I think for this team in particular for Canada wanted to go more 19 year old heavy. They already knew that they were going to have a 17 year old potential be, be one of their best players in, in Macklin Celebrini wanted to surround that with, with more veteran talent. So, you know, I don't think that Lardis was really ever seriously in the mix for this team, just at this stage of his career will be next year. I mean, I think that the way that he's played this season, the fact that he's a goal scorer, the fact that he has some, you know, some, some ability around the net is going to help him to, to be part of it next year. But, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the size or, or, you know, just that one trait that's going to really help this team win at this point. So um, no, you know, no small thing to, to, you know, to, to have the season that he's having right now, I wouldn't be too worried about him, um, you know, not being part of, of this team Canada. Now, one guy that you did mention there, Macklin Celebrini, he's uh, going to be a big part of this team. Um, might miss a game or two. Uh, he, him and him and Frank Nazar in, in back-to-back days laying some big hits. Uh, one of them may be penalized, one might not be. But, um, you know, with, with, with Celebrini, like what are the expectations for him in this, in this tournament being a, a guy who's going to be relied on a lot for Canada and a guy who's in his draft year and, you know, coming off of last year's tournament where you saw guys like Adam Fantilli and Connor Bedard, you know, play major roles for Canada. Um, where do you feel like uh, Celebrini fits into that like expectation? Uh, you know, the, the funny thing is as good as he's been, and we've talked about him as the number one guy for all year, pretty much, but I still feel like he's being underhyped. You know, I, I think that he's that good. Um, basically, you know, he might be listed as Canada's number two center. He's their best player, bar none. Like, no doubt in my mind, that is the best player on that team. And that includes the guys that are 19 years old, that are high draft picks, that have, you know, had some NHL experience and different things like that. Like, I think he's a better player than Matt Plotra is right now. Um, and Matt Plotra is playing in the NHL. Um, so that's pretty, you know, that's pretty interesting to see a 17-year-old, a guy that won't turn 18 until the summer, um, come in and be that big of a factor. Um, plenty of other players in years past have not been put in the position that Celebrini is about to be put in with this Canadian team. You know, Nathan McKinnon was a fourth line forward. Quentin Byfield was a fourth line forward. Um, you know, I think we look at the impact that Alexi Lafreniere had in his draft season for Canada. He was the MVP of that tournament. He got hurt and still was just producing a ton. Um, Celebrini is actually even younger because Lafreniere was a late first date. Celebrini's even younger coming in here and basically he's going to be Canada's probably most important center. Now you did mention that we're, we're waiting word to see if he's going to get suspended. He let, d- delivered a check from behind an exhibition game. The player that he hit left the game did not return. Um, I would be now a little bit more surprised if Celebrini doesn't have to sit at least the first game of the world juniors. I don't think it'll necessarily be more than that. Um, but I do think that there could be some supplemental discipline coming, which is really tough for him. Uh, Canada starts the tournament with Finland, so not an easy game to start off, whereas the USA is playing Norway in their first game. So, you know, like that's that's a problem uh, for Canada to lose a player of that significance right off the hop like that. And, and it's uncharacteristic of his game. He's not usually hitting guys from behind, but 
you know, this was a pretty, pretty clear case. So I uh, would be a little bit more surprised if he doesn't sit uh, Canada as, as we're recording this Canada and USA will be set to play a pre-tournament game on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I doubt we'll see him in that game and then we'll see what happens from there. So uh, a lot to be figured out on that front, but I think no matter what, when he does return, he'll be one of the most important players. So Celebrini is the, the, the top prospect in this year's uh, 2024 draft class. One of the other guys that's up there with him, maybe number two, number three, depending on who you talk to, uh, Cole Eisenman. He was left off of Team USA's roster here as we'll transition to talking about the, the state side. But So let's say the Blackhawks don't get the, the draft rigged for them again and they land at number two or number three. Um, what are your what are your uh, you know thoughts on on Eisenman and his abilities and and what do you take away from him not being on Team USA here? Yeah, I mean, for one, it's not a huge surprise that he didn't make the team. He didn't make the camp mainly because you look at Team USA's roster and eight of their top nine forwards are first round draft picks and and high picks. You know, guys that and, and there's also like built in chemistry. Will Smith, Ryan Leonard, Gabe Perot, or uh, and Gabe Perot all played last together last year play at bc together you're not breaking those guys up cutter gochier established himself as the number one center he plays with rucker mcgordy and jimmy snuggerud guys that he played with when he was at the national team development program um to, in certain certain settings and then you know you also have uh basically your third line frank nazar uh with with guys that he's familiar with and isaac howard who he played with when he's at the ntdp and gavin brindley who he plays with at michigan um, so there really wasn't like, where's the spot for Cole Eisman? Um, If I'm the Chicago Blackhawks, if the draft was tomorrow and I get the number two pick, Eisman would not be my pick at, at number two. Um, I, there's a couple of reasons for that, but I mean, I think he's an exceptional goal scorer. I think he's got a lot of potential to, to put up a lot of goals. And obviously you, you want that. Um, you know, I, I think for, for right now, you look at the right shot defensemen that are available in this upcoming draft. You look at, um, some of the, you know, some of the, the power forward kind of players that are available. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit, you want to add some variety to your lineup. And I think, you know, Cole Eisenman would be another sub six foot, you know, kind of scorer, you know, that's something the Hawks are starting to build a lot of, you know, there's going to be guys like Caden Lindstrom. There's going to be guys like Artem Levshinov, who's playing at Michigan state, um, uh, Anton Siliev in, in Russia, you know, like all these players that, bring something a little different that you don't have. And it's not a slight to Cole Eiserman because I think he's a top tier talent in this draft. I think, you know, he's got a chance to score 70 plus goals this season, um, which is insane, you know, like, and so the, the thing is, is him not making team USA doesn't really bother me for his draft stock, but I think there have been elements of his game, which I just, you know, I'm not necessarily um, sold on yet uh, outside of him being an elite goal scorer, which I'm completely sold on. He is, outstanding in that regard and it's obviously a very important skill now talking about the guys who who are going to be there blackhawks have uh four prospects on team usa's uh roster not sure all four of them will be in the the everyday lineup but where do you see some of those guys like nazar and Moore and gavin hayes and sam renzel fitting into this team i know you said just now you know their their top nine forwards are pretty solidified uh with you know their their familiarity with each other where do you see them all fitting in and um, what do you see them bringing to the table for, for team USA? Yeah, well, you know, I think we'll start with Frank Nazar just because I think he's going to, of those players, he's going to play the biggest role, probably team USA's number three center. Um, you know, he's an option for them on the power play. Uh, it's kind of between him and Gavin Brindley for their second unit, uh, and the bumper position. 
Um, he's probably going to be on their PK. He's going to get some tough defensive matchups. Um, he's going to be looked to as a guy that can score for them. And I think the top, you know, we're not looking at this as a top six, bottom six. We're looking at this as a top nine, fourth line. You know, that's kind of what we have for, for this team. The top nine are going to be expected to produce and produce consistently. And teams that have that scoring depth typically do very well. So I think Frank Nazar is going to be part of that. Um, so big, big role there. Um, Oliver Moore is probably, you know, there's a chance he's the 13th forward. Um, I think he'll still be in the lineup. I think he will be in the everyday lineup. Um, but, you know, he'll probably be more as a, in a penalty killing fourth line role. However, they let him kind of play with Cutter Gauthier and Jimmy Snuggerud in their first pre-tournament game on the top line. And showing that versatility um, to be able to play with those players, like that line was not going as well until Moore got on it um, because they were able to play with the pace. Uh, also, his speed is an elite weapon on big ice. Um, he's can beat defenders wide and bring it back to the middle. And so I think that that's something that also kind of puts him more firmly on the radar. So he might not play big minutes, but I think he, there's a role for him on this team. It's not determined who the 14th forward of the team will be, which is to say the player that won't dress and will have to be waiting for a potential injury or illness to replace somebody. I think that Oliver Moore with his performance thus far has really solidified himself in the, in the regular rotation. Um, moving over to Gavin Hayes, fourth line forward penalty killing role. Um, you know, here's a guy that's on pace for 50 plus goals in the OHL this season, and you have to show versatility. Um, the one concern that I have with him is that, you know, I think he's got his feet are a little heavy. Um, I don't think he has the pace that matches this U S roster as one-to-one but he's got size. He's got aggressiveness. He can play physical. Um, he's, you know, he, he has good instincts. So I think you'll see him more kind of in that, that fourth line role, which, you know, ultimately, yes, he might be a 50 goal scorer in the OHL, but I just don't see him as a top six player in the NHL. So, you know, I think this him familiarizing familiarizing himself with this role is probably a good thing. And then lastly, Sam Renzel looks like probably USA's seventh defenseman, possibly the eighth. Um, it really depends. They have five right shots and three um, left shots. So one defenseman's not going to dress. It's kind of down between Renzel and I think Aaron Manettian for that seventh or eighth defenseman kind of thing. Um, I think Sam's actually looked good this year. Uh, I think he's improved. I think that he's taking steps. I like his defending better than I did last year. Um, I think the offensive game is coming along. He's a high-end skater. He makes a lot of plays. Um, you know, I think that there's there's certainly a spot for him. He is Team USA's biggest defenseman. At least he's their tallest. He still needs to get physically stronger. He needs to fill out his frame more to maximize the size that he does have. But I think there's a spot for him here, and, and it very well may be as that seventh defenseman, um, which, you know, the one thing about Renzel that I, I try to remind Blackhawks fans about is that when they drafted him, eyes were wide open. This is a long-term project. The fact that he was good enough to make this team at this stage, two years past his draft, I know it seems like forever in prospect years, but for this particular prospect, that is an amazing development for him. Um, so he's on the roster. Whether or not he plays a regular role remains to be seen. I think he still needs to clean up some things defensively, needs to get physically stronger, those types of things. But the fact that he's here is a very very significant benchmark for him, um, considering the fact that when the Blackhawks drafted him, it was eyes wide open. This is a project pick.
Now, two guys that are uh, going to be uh, representing Team Slovakia, they're returning uh, to the World Juniors uh, after uh, last season being knocked out by uh, Bedard in Canada. Uh, Adam Guyon in net and uh, Martin Myziak uh, up front for them. What's your reading on on them and, and Team uh, Slovakia's uh, expectations in this tournament as they've kind of been one of those uh, countries like on the rise over the last few years, uh, closing the gap between Canada, U.S., Sweden, Finland, and and the rest of the uh, participants in the tournament. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, that Slovakia is a real dark horse to medal. You know, like they, they'd obviously have to knock off one of USA, Sweden, Canada, which I think are the best teams in the, the tournament. Um, but I think Slovakia has enough to do it. Uh, and a lot of that starts with my belief in Adam Guyon as their goaltender. We saw him at this tournament last year, basically become a story, you know, goalie of the tournament um, out of nowhere, a guy that wasn't even expected to be on the team. And now he's looking at his second year starting was a goal away from beating Canada in the quarterfinals um, in overtime, you know, so so that is an impressive thing. And, and so that, that to me, if he's on the top of his game, if he plays anywhere close to what he did last year, Slovakia has got a chance because they beat USA last year. They, they almost beat Canada. Like they've got a chance. They've got good forwards up front, including Martin Mishiak, who I think is one of the guys that really, you know, last year was kind of that under the radar pick, but gosh, he had such a tremendous playoffs for Youngstown. And when he came to the USHL, he had to grow into his game in North America. And I think he did that. And now he's continuing that in the OHL. He's going to play a, a bigger role this year than he did last year. Um, he's just a player that I really like a lot in terms of the way that he plays. He's got some grittiness to him. He's got skill. Um, he can score. So there's a lot to like about him and a lot to like about the Slovakian team. I mean, I really do think they are a dark horse to medal, um, you know, probably bronze. You know, I don't think that they're going to, get far enough i don't think they have enough depth to compete with the swedens and the usas and the canadas but gosh they got a real chance to to make make a go of it here so um but yeah but i think you know adam guy if you look the other thing too uh if you look at adam guyan's numbers this year you might be like ah they're okay like you know but ushl it's a tough league uh especially for for young goalies his first year in the league i you know i've seen him play enough this year where it's like all right, there are definitely more good games than bad games, and I think he's just starting to hit his stride. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there is a lot to like about the Slovakian roster, and and, and certainly the two guys that the Blackhawks have are, are among the players that that can very much contribute to their success. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm excited to see all these all these guys play, and and Guyon is one of them because it's it's hard to get a read on on goalies at this stage of their development, and and like you said, like his his USHL numbers are pretty good but it's also still the ushl like i think you know do you feel like once he gets to college and he's committed to minnesota duluth once he gets to college that'll be the the best parameter of like where he's at in his development um i mean i think there i think we're always you know kind of evaluating um and so you know i i think you know i think the ushl is a good league you know so it's it, to see him he's you know a 9 11 save percentage with 14 wins already this season. It's pretty good. Um, you know, it's pretty good. And and the league scoring has, has been pretty up this year, it seems. And, you know, you, what you look for is, you know, how many bad games does he have? And then how does he respond to those bad games? And there aren't a lot of games where it's like, Oh, he, he was off it, you know, there. So, so that's a good sign. And then, you know, the college games, I think, 
there's always an adjustment period. And I think Minnesota Duluth as a, as a program, you know, they've been among the best programs in terms of competitiveness, but they're, they're starting to kind of come back to earth a little bit after a real great period. So I think he's going to be challenged there. Um, and yeah, it's a good, I think college is a good barometer because it's, it just feels like it's on the cusp of that professional, you know, even though it's not pro they're playing against a lot of older, faster players. And I think that that actually is very good for a guy like, like Adam, where, you know, he's going to see good, good shots. He's going to play in a structured system that will help maximize his talents. Um, you know, Minnesota Duluth has, has typically sent players on to pro contracts. It's very rare that they've had a drafted prospect come into them. And so I think that that will also, you know, be kind of get, give them a head start. But, um, you know, I think the pick of guy and making him the first goalie picked last year is always going to put a target on his back because he'll be compared against Trey Augustine, Jacob Fowler, Michael Horrible, all the guys that went after him because it was a very, like we said it, it's a good year for goalies. You just don't take him in the first round anymore. There wasn't anybody that was heads above, but Adam Guyon had every right to be in the mix with those other guys to say that I'm the best of that group. And now he has this other opportunity to prove it. Um, but he, again, he was another guy where there was more of a project where it was like, he's a little wild in the net. He's, he's su super athletic and tall and, and rangy, but you know, can he rein it in? And I think this year, what we've seen is he's starting to do that. He's getting better with rebound control. He's getting better with that over committing, you know, so those are types of things that, that we saw last year that are starting to get cleaned up. So very positive trajectory for Adam Guyon and, and a guy that I think if you're, you know, you're watching the world juniors, if Slovakia has a prayer, it's because they've gotten the goaltending. I mean, that's, it's going to be exciting to watch for sure. Uh, it's like I said before, this is one of my favorite times of the year. Blackhawks have a lot of, a uh, lot of guys to watch, a lot, of, a lot of interest in this tournament. So should be a lot of fun. Chris, thank you so much for your time. This has been uh, super informative. R really appreciate your insight. Every time uh, we're able to talk, um, Chris Peters, flow hockey, uh, anything that, uh, that you want to promote or anything you got going on before you head over to Sweden? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, definitely head over to flowhockey.tv. You're going to have a ton of coverage, uh, breaking news, analysis, prospects or analysis, a Celebrini watch. You know, we're going to have everything um, on there. We've got a lot of video features. We actually have one up on Frank Nazar right now on our YouTube channel, uh, which is also Flow Hockey. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to our socials for a ton of original content there as well. And then the podcast, Talking Hockey Sense, I have an hour and 15 minutes or so of World Junior Previews going uh, team by team and, and shouting out a lot of different players. So uh, including Adam Guyon. So, awesome. and, and all the Blackhawks guys that, that we just talked about. So uh, definitely check that out, but yeah, it's always a pleasure to, to, to do this. Uh, you know, tell, uh, tell, uh, tell the boys, I said, hello and, and Merry Christmas and, uh, and everything else. And, and Mario, it's just, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's so much fun. So uh, glad I could take some time uh, with you guys. Cause I, I really do enjoy coming on with, uh, with this show. Absolutely. Anytime you have a, you have an open invite uh, on our show. One of, one of the exclusive uh, club members of the open invite. Nice. Nice. Uh, so yeah, appreciate it, Chris. Uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk uh, in a few weeks and down the road and get ready for the draft and, you know, hopefully see you at the sphere in Vegas. Yeah. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> 